2: it's been a long 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 time but welcome back at last to the forza Italian football podcast I'm still here I'm still your host Connor Clancy kev Pugzelski looks a little bit different but he's back kev hello
0: hi Connor yeah I'm unshaven I'm haircut
2: haircut
0: yeah no haircut for <laughs> 12 weeks
2: I like your shirt
0: it's very nice isn't it it's the uh the World Cup. Uh, Adidas edition for Colombia, yeah, it uh, <laughs> looks similar.
2: Yeah, we should say, um, this wasn't planned at least on my part. Kev predicted that I was going to be wearing that my, my new purchase, the Colombia away shirt from 2018, and he arrived in his home equivalent, which is a nice touch. So, to celebrate the fact that we're both wearing Colombia shirts, we are joined by special guest Louis Muriel. Luis, hello,
4: yeah, muchas gracias.
2: <laughs> Hello Vito as, as, Doria.
4: Hello Connor it's been been too long been too long and it's really great to get the gang back together.
2: Yeah it's nice all right we we obviously what is it it's more than three months since sorry I finished March 9. so I know we spoke briefly for one of the my favorite game pods as a, as a trio but it, it's good to be back for um, for regular business again I'm, I'm sure you guys agree at least I hope you guys agree. Anyway, um, we are here because Serie A is returning. Italian football has already returned with the Coppa Italia semi-final second legs. um, 122 days after the first legs, which I know Italian football's organisation is usually problematic. And last season, I think there was over a month between the two legs of the semi-finals, which seemed ridiculous. But 122 days later, um, surely, I'm not the only one who had to go back and read the match reports of the first legs to remember, a what had happened and b what the scores were. Kev, were, were you in a similar boat to me in that?
0: I certainly was with Napoli Inter. I think mean, because it had taken place uh, in in Milan, I kind of had this clearly wrong belief that that Inter, you know, it was go we're heading to Naples with the advantage, whereas Napoli had actually sort of overcome them. So that really sort of threw me off because, again, it's just, it's just so long ago. Um, and maybe just just fact that we don't necessarily focus on the cup so much until it gets us into the latter stages.
2: Yeah, I, I think that probably is. So, and especially because it was, it was February. That's a long, 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 long time ago, right? But anyway, the first legs finished. Napoli had beaten Inter 1-0 thanks to an incredible Fabio Norisco. Um I remember watching that one, actually. It's one of the few things I remember from... Pre-COVID, and AC Milan and Juve had played out a one-all draw at the Stadio San Siro. We'll start with with Juve Milan because it finished nil-nil, and Vito. It's probably a shame that these two teams were involved in the first game back because they don't usually excite, and they didn't.
4: No. Although both teams have prestigious histories and great reputations in the football world, they're not known to be the most entertaining side. So, yeah, it's really not the most ideal return if uh, you want to try and attract the audiences back to Italian football. But um, I think it showed that both teams were rusty given that they've been missing match practice for a good three months or so and uh, yeah this is probably one game i think most people would prefer to forget in the long run
2: i know i will be i've already blanked it out of my mind but rustiness is something that we do have to um to allow for given that the players are coming into this without having a real pre-season um, i know a couple of teams played like intra squad friendlies and things like that but it's it, it's not ideal circumstances. Kev, what did you make of the game?
0: Well, um, it's not just rustiness when you consider uh Rebik's challenge that we'll touch on. He was like we'll a he was yeah. like a puppy that well, you'll be aware of this, Connor. It's like a puppy that hasn't seen you for weeks on end. <laughs> and then suddenly comes bounding in with all this sort of energy. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a little bit disappointing. Again, I think mean, I kind of didn't expect too much from the game. Um, players coming back from a long layoff kind of expected Juventus to have the advantage. You know, we saw that just before lockdown that they they showed that they can um, sort of perform, if you like, um, in, in these sort of strange circumstances with no fans where you would usually expect fans in big games because they won the uh, Derby d'Italia just before we, we locked down. Um, and yeah, and then the, the red card probably just ruined it from Milan putting any sort of pressure on on Juve um because they didn't even seem like they they wanted to at times um it but was, they you know they did they did defend very well
2: it was strange right because y- you do have to give credit particularly in the first half I thought Milan defended excellently which we have we've seen them give Juve a couple of um I, I'm not sure problems is the right word but cause Juve some complications this season and that they haven't just rolled over for them um but as far as their defence was good, Vito, they needed to score. And even, right, OK, they were tired, but they made five substitutes. So that's half the team. But for the last 10 minutes, they, they never really looked to get that goal.
4: No, and it's quite surprising that you're a team that has a disadvantage, not just with Rabbits being sent off, but... You're trailing in the tie because you haven't got the away goal. And uh, they needed to get a goal because uh, there was no way that game was going to go to penalties unless it went to a 1-1 draw. But they couldn't even score one from open play. And, uh, you know, even if uh, Pioli... Didn't have enough strikers on reserve. I mean, it could have, you know, at least use a plan B or C and try and get someone from the youth academy. I know the Primavera hasn't done too well lately, last couple of seasons, but at least give someone a chance to offer something different or offer some sort of tactical balance because, yeah, without uh, Ibrahimovic, they have looked rather toothless, and uh, having him out first because of suspension and then course of the injury he suffered in training i think that made a huge difference for them that being said i noticed with uh, giacomo bonaventura over the years he can score with some goals making late like, runs into the box um pioli should have utilized him a bit more so he could have made those runs i mean i've noticed a few times over the years where okay david de calabria wasn't uh, playing on the right it was uh it was andrea conti but uh, you know, at least if you get across from the right, Bonaventura has that habit of making that late run into the box and scoring. So even without a proper striker or someone of Ibrahimovic's caliber, you need to find extra sources for goals, but they didn't look like there were any whatsoever.
2: No, they didn't really. And and Conti's not exactly known for his defensive abilities, right? Conti made his name at Atalanta because he scored seven or eight goals in one season as a as a flying wing back. So I thought it was strange, but credit to Milan. I I do know we we tend to give them a hard time, but they defended well, but they didn't do what they needed to do. So there you go. Um, Kev, you touched on it. That rabbit challenge, that whole sequence of events, right? Because you were given a penalty in the 14th minute. Cristiano Ronaldo steps up to take it, having scuffed one in in the first leg late on. And... Well, I guess the break obviously got to him because he did what he doesn't do and he missed the penalty. He hit the post. um, And then the ball was cleared immediately and six seconds after Ronaldo struck the penalty, Ante Rebic flew in about 11 feet in the air. Um, And who was it that he caught? Was it Benzengar? I can't remember. I
0: thought it was Danilo.
2: Danilo. Danilo. It was Danilo, correct. Um, He flew in and tried to decapitate Danilo. And was rightfully sent off. What I loved about this is the referee had the yellow card out. The referee had the yellow card out, and he looked over to the side and you could see him kind of think he was obviously told, No, you need you need to do a red for that one. So then he swiftly changed, sent off Rebic, and the Milan players seemed surprised. Kev, can you work that one out?
0: No, the 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 surprise on the Milan faces was Absurd, really. I think you've got to consider that, um, even without looking at who's coming towards you, you can't you can't assume that they're going as high as you are with your foot. And although I joked earlier about about this maybe being a little bit of uh, pent up energy from the from the break in um, in games, I think the the Ronaldo miss plays a huge part as well because you're probably standing there as a, a Milan player. Not expecting uh, Ronaldo to miss as he never never does, and you get this surge of probably probably positivity that then Rebet carries into that challenge where they probably then think, oh, if I knit this ball, oh, we're we're through. You know, most people have probably sort of be caught on their heels because they would be expecting to celebrate a, a goal for Juve. Um, but it was always the right decision to to send him off.
2: Uh, there's getting excited and then there's doing that though. It was nuts, like completely nuts. Um, <laughs> Italian football back, right? Anyway,
0: um, i like to come back.
2: <laughs> I know, right? But then after that, everything was terrible. So that was very, very much the peak um, those like 10 seconds. But that finished. Juve are through into the final. And Napoli will be their opposition in Rome on Wednesday, June 17th, which seems very, very close because it is. But um, they're there because of Dries Mertens, and strangely because of David Ospina as well. So I guess the Columbia shirts are quite appropriate um, in a way. But this game started in the worst possible fashion. Obviously, Napoli had that 1-0 advantage from the first leg. But that was dim null and void after two minutes when Christian Eriksen whipped in a corner. David Ospina managed to allow himself to be nutmegged by the corner. And inter led from there, interbossed it. Ospina made a couple of very, very good saves, particularly on Lukaku and Kandreva. And then can oh, what happened? Kandreva should have squared it. He shot. Ospina made a great save. Corner came in. Ospina caught it. Set Insignia loose. Insignia did what Kandreva should have. Squared Martins. His 122nd goal for Napoli, officially now their all-time top goal scorer, ahead of Marikamczyk's 121 and Diego Maradona's 115. And it's been a long time coming for Dries, Vito, but I think you'll be hard-pressed to find anyone that's anything but delighted for him.
4: Oh, He's been a superb player for Napoli since he joined them in 2014. And uh, when I think that Napoli paid something like nine and a half million euros for him, I think that's a phenomenal investment, just such an incredible return. And to eclipse those goal scoring records and also beating the players that he has bet for that record, I think uh, uh, someone like him deserves enormous credit for reaching that milestone. In general, as a player, I think he's been an absolute delight to watch. uh, For a player who has not played for any of the teams I support, internationally or at club level, he's one player for the neutral that I really enjoy watching. Um, He's a quick player, very skillful, and has an incredible scoring rate. And he can score all kinds of goals. He can score the simple ones, but he has scored his fair share of uh, outrageous chips as well. So... Um, I think Napoli fans would be more than delighted to have had him over these years. But I think for Serie A fans in general, I think he's been someone that has made uh, uh, the league worthwhile in these last few years. You know, really just an eye-catching player.
2: He's a lot of fun, isn't he? And you see, I know him and Lorenzo and Signe have that bromance as well. They clearly love playing together. Uh, Jose Calihona is another who, Kev, I know you're a big fan of um, on the right. But that front three, particularly Mertens and Insigne, they are they are a joy to watch when they're in full flow. Um, you see them score and they do their little dances and stuff. And Martins does his funny celebrations where he pretends to be a dog. And it's lovely. It's it's lovely. But the fact that this all came about by complete fluke as well, right? Mertens was never supposed to be this player. He was signed as a winger. And for most of his career at Napa, he was... Quite a frustrated winner. Then, because Arik Milik got injured, he had to play him up front. And, I mean, they just unleashed this absolute gem of a striker and he hasn't stopped scoring since. And Kev, have you any any thoughts or anything to say about Little Dries?
0: Um, well, I think when you look back at uh, when Napoli reinvested the uh, Edison Cavani money in the squad... Uh, and the likes of Higuain came in. Callahan, um, Mertens was part of that. And I don't think anybody at the time thought that we'd be sitting here and and it would be Dries Mertens that's probably had the maybe not the biggest impact. If you think about the the goals of Higuain and how close that brought them to a Scudetto, but that he would certainly be becoming the uh, the all time top scorer for the Napoli. But but like you say, it's it's that it's that year when I think a lot of people were expecting him to leave, uh, Napoli invested in Eric Milik. Um, and it sort of is, is a tribute to how, since that point, he's amassed all these goals because, you know, I don't think anybody expected him to, to achieve this um, before he sort of started playing that unfamiliar role. Um, and, and the quality can always have been there. You could argue he'd been played out of position. I think it's just one of those situations where all, all these things sort of come together, uh, the people playing around him to, to, to give us what he's given us for the last uh, two or three seasons.
2: Yeah, it's been great. And long may it continue. I know his contract is still... It's still up in the air, right? I mean, Chelsea want them, Inter want them. He, he's probably going to stay at Napoli now. It does look like um, he's going to agree terms there. And to be frank, you wouldn't really want them to go anywhere else, would you? I mean... Why? Why ruin this? It seems like a nice fit. The people love him. He loves Naples, and just long may it continue. Let's hope that Martins goes on to score another few goals for Napoli, and um, he can do some good things there. Maybe even win the Coppa Italia for them, because I mean that would be quite an achievement given how they started this season and given where they were at Christmas. Anyway, Serie A's back, guys. Not quite yet, but in six days, Torino play Parma. and it, Finally, uh, surely I'm not the only one that's ridiculously excited about this. Even now that the Coppa Italia has given us that little taste of Italian football again, um, my excitement for Serie A's return is on a different level. Torino-Parma is quite a nice game for to come back with. We've obviously got the A strange situation in the league because some teams have played 26 games and some teams have played 25 games. So what they're doing is the teams who have played 25 games are playing first to catch up and then things just move forward with a frightening pace, really. Torino, Parma and Verona Cagliari is on the Saturday the 20th and then we've got Atalanta, Sassuolo and Inter-Sampdoria on the Sunday the 21st. So...
4: Initially, I was not looking uh, forward to it, to be honest, because I started watching a bit of the German Bundesliga, especially the Borussia Dortmund uh, Schalke game, and that's a local derby in Germany. But I thought, without the crowd there, it just didn't feel the same. So I thought, how could Serie A be that appealing? But then you know, I managed to um, find a replay of the Napoli-Inter game online, uh, Watched that and I thought, okay, I haven't been impressed with it. I wasn't impressed with the game overall, but just the feeling of watching Italian football again, I thought, you know, maybe once the league returns, I might get that enthusiasm again. And, uh, you know, I'm curious to see how things pan out. It's a unique set of circumstances, so maybe in hindsight, or as the years go by, we might not hold the 2019 20 season in high value, but just to be watching my football again, I think it's just a great experience and something to keep us occupied.
2: Getting used to it without the fans is definitely something, but I've had this weird experience. Every time I watch a match, it's like the, the circumstances, the environment around it is different. So watching the Bundesliga, obviously they, they haven't been using the fan noise. So it's just the commentary and then the the audio that you hear from the stadium, which is the players and the coaches shouting, then La Liga has since returned with crowd noise pumped in, and even crowd graphics. Which, I know, Kev, I think we have a slight disagreement on this, but I quite like it, because it, to my eyes, I, I don't get distracted by big, empty stands, and... I can actually focus on the game. But I find when there's big empty stands there, I, my eyes are just drawn to them. But I guess with the design of Italian football stadiums, quite often you can't necessarily see the stands. Or when you can, the parts of the stands you can see are empty anyway, like at the San Paolo, which I think contributed to why I was able to watch that so easily. Um, but the the crowd noise and the and the, the crowd graphics... What do we think about that? Is that something you'd like to see in Serie
0: A? Um, the crowd noise, certainly. I watched the first couple of uh, Bundesliga rounds, <clears throat> and like like uh, veto, it was it was just a bit odd. Um, I kind of thought that I you know, when we eventually get Serie A back underway, I I, I I came a little bit accustomed to that as we played a couple of games in lockdown and was watching them. Um, you know, well, I was watching them without commentary either, so they, they, you know, they you have that kind of hollow, hollow feel to it. I think the, the the sort of subtle crowd noise improves the viewing from a from a television spectacle because you can almost watch it without, you know, even drawing your eye to the stands. Where we kind of differ on our view of the uh, Seville Derby was that I don't know if it, again there was technical glitches trying to sort of get this refined but the crowd would be there one moment and then disappear Then an advert would be displayed across it. And, and I found that distracting as opposed to maybe just having a you know blanket of empty seats. Now I watched, um, must've been Celta Vigo must've been at home uh, against Villarreal yesterday. It was on in the background and actually there were no kind of glitches with the fans. And, and, I, and I agree with you. It then looks more authentic, if that's the right word, Um and also doesn't sort of draw your eye away because it's flashing an advert or anything. So I think both can work, but um, I think if you're, you've got a game on and you've got the, the sound of the fans is, is arguably more important than, than not having those empty seats.
2: Yeah, I, I do agree that this, the noise is the big thing and the way they've used it has been quite strange, unexpected because you know what, when you're watching a game on, on telly, the, the crowd noise can be quite overwhelming at times, whereas they've, kind of put it beneath the sound of the players. Usually you can't hear anything the players are saying because the crowd is louder. But in the last couple of games that I've seen, you can still hear some of the communication and there's that constant background noise of the crowd, which isn't perfect either, right? There are, there are some chances that come and go where the crowd noise is a little bit delayed, but just having it there constantly is, is quite good. It's quite reassuring and it doesn't make you feel like you're you're watching something completely out of the ordinary. I, I think it's it's very much helpful. Um, but, but on to Serie A, we have a problem that the season still might not finish because of the rules that are in place. So basically, much to Gabriela Gravina's frustration, and I think everyone's frustration, I've spoken to a couple of Serie A players and they've said that they're also annoyed about this, which is that If a player tests positive, the whole team have to go into quarantine for two weeks, which, given that each team is going to be playing a game every three days, more or less, it doesn't bode well for the season finishing. Um, Vito, I don't know what your thoughts are on this.
4: I think it's quite a strict rule, and essentially for the reasons that you have stated – Uh, it does give a sort of grim look to the future if uh, a player does test positive for the virus. Uh, It's, uh, even if no one uh, tests positive, it's quite a packed schedule as it is to try and finish the 2019-2020 season. So um, I think, you know, it's quite incredible that they're doing it this way and... They're going to play so many games and you can only imagine how fit or or whatnot the players are going to be, you know, how they can last for the next two months as they try to finish uh, the season quickly. That's it. If they postpone the season again or they try to go for this playoff system that's been proposed, yeah, it just feels a bit messy but also a bit sort of hollow. It makes you wonder why on earth They've gone for this system to just finish the season one hit within a two-month spell. So, you um, mo- know, probably as we look towards the future, maybe we'll look at this and say that, oh, well, uh, they stuffed up when they tried to sp- stop the season back in March. This would probably go down as another one of the legacy or further cultures uh, stuff-ups.
2: What do you think about that, Kev?
4: Um
0: I think, I think. Um, well, we all know the financial reasons as to why they've, you know, they're trying to get the season to to completion. Um, when we first entered lockdown, um, I kind of would have agreed with Vito that you you wouldn't have to condense all of these matches into into one um, sort of month or, or six weeks, whatever it is we're doing it over. But the the fact that we've we've seen in other leagues that football is able to take place and we know, you know, let's face it, we know the players um, as much as they'll have um, concerns about going back into these environments where you potentially catch the virus. um, It's not any different really to other industries. Um, And arguably football is going to be better uh, controlled than say supermarket workers. So I think then you have to get the season done with the aim of, of starting the 2021 campaign. If it was a scenario where we were looking at not being able to restart until uh, October, you would have uh, you, you know you could then make a decision on cutting this season or playing this season out over a longer period and and, and just getting rid of the 2021 season. So I think things have moved on so quickly and uh, without difficulties, if you like, from Bundesliga or. or uh, Spain with with people um, being tested positive of the virus that we, we've got to do it this way
2: yeah, well, I think it is the safest working environment in the world at the moment because players are getting tested with the um, swab the swab test every four days and then they're getting bloods done every two weeks, so they all know that they don't have it. I mean you can't be more at ease than in this situation. Everyone they're coming into contact with doesn't have the virus. So I think it should be OK. It should be. But obviously, people have families who work in different jobs. So that's where the uncertainty comes into it. And I just think the the two-week quarantine for, for teams, if someone tests positive, isn't feasible. Um, I still wouldn't be surprised if they lifted that rule. But I think it might take someone actually contracting the virus for that rule to be lifted um but yeah football's coming back how long it stays back for we do not know but it's here now and we'll be here to talk about it for as long as it is season is going to finish on august the 2nd so we've got what six seven weeks of football and the way it's working is that every round of A is played over three days and then there is a one day gap between each round of fixtures the fixture times are quite unique because obviously italy's quite a hot country and on the weekend basically the the kickoff times are 5 15 7 30 and quarter to 10 italian time so work that out for wherever you are in the world and then for the midweek fixtures it's just the 7 30 and the quarter to 10 kickoff times which I'm very pleased about. I love when games kick off late and quarter to 10 is a beautiful time to start a football match. It's similar to Spain where they they often kick off at at 10pm because of the ridiculous heat there. So I'm quite pleased about that. Um, I don't know how we're going to work the podcast going forward to guys if there's a new round of fixtures every three days but we will discuss that and organise something. But Given how this situation is, Juve are top of the league by a point, Lazio are second, um, and then Inter are some way back. It's pretty much a two horse title race, you could say. Um, Vito, the break probably favors Juventus in that it gives Cristiano Ronaldo time to recharge.
4: Oh, certainly, considering that he's 35 years old now. Uh, i think the break would be handy for him and, uh, and not just him but i think you in general with the superior squad depth will be uh, better off than most other sides uh, my concern you know without turning too much attention away from you would be with uh, lazio that with having this break this could have potentially broken the momentum so it, if it does t- ha- end up happening that way i think it would be a great shame because I think Lazio had a good shot of winning that third Scudetto in their history.
2: It did seem that way because they they had all of the momentum and, of course, they have beaten Juve. What is it? Four, Three times already this season? Oh, I could just make that up. They definitely beat Juve twice, right?
4: Um, yeah, once in the Supercoppa Italiana and once in Serie A. All right. Um, but
2: now... Lazio are going to struggle to, to continue that momentum, you would think. I'm sure you're all like me and that you would hope they can k- keep it up and make the title race extremely interesting because may had lost two of their previous six games before the break. So it's hard to know how teams will approach this, how teams will be, what sort of shape they'll be in. But uh, Inter and Atalanta make up the rest of the top four. Then we've got Roma, Napoli in the Europa League places but you could say that Milan, Verona and even Parma are in contention for Europa League football again given what was happening before football stopped we don't really know what the situation is going to be but Kev what are your expectations for for the run-in for the title in the European places?
0: Um, well for the for the title in the European place, I think it's it's quite important that you've got uh, Parma, Verona, um Atalanta and Inter having games in hand before sort of everything gets back underway with with kind of regular fixtures because i think it can just change i think uh Palmer and verona are only three points off of the european places so i think if those games go in their favor then it you know when we actually get around to starting from almost a i'll call it a blank slate but with everybody uh, at the same at the same block um it could be quite interesting I, I just i think the if you look across the other leagues that have been playing behind closed doors the clubs or the teams, if you like, that are uh, less have a less technical um, players, and maybe use their crowd more to drive themselves forward and build that momentum during games. They seem to have struggled, whether they're at home or not. Um, so I think that will play into the hands of, of the likes of Juventus, Inter, Lazio, and where. Whereas we've got a even a relegation battle. I don't see the bottom two changing because now they're not going to be able to. Lend on any home advantage as such
2: yeah I'm um, um, Brescia relegated uh, Brescia done. I don't think there are, can be any doubts about that. Spal's position isn't good and I don't know though I like Spal. I know they've not got um Leonard Assemich in, in charge anymore there and Di Biaggio has had his stay. Extended for longer than anybody would have predicted when he took the job. um, Purely because they haven't been playing any football. But Lecce are very much um, alive and kicking with the the two Genovese clubs. Lecce on 25 points. um, Genoa in 17th on 25 points. Samp in 16th on twenty six. But crucially, they have a game in hand as do Torino in 15th on 27 points. So Udinese and maybe even Fiorentina could be dragged into that relegation fight. Vito, how are you feeling?
4: Well, I must admit my confidence is not too great, but I'm not overly pessimistic either. Probably my concern is that during this pandemic, Sampdoria were probably the worst hit club in Italy, with uh, I think there were as many as nine players getting the virus or having contracted it. And also the team doctor uh, had COVID-19. So that's very concerning. But uh, if they can somehow regain some sort of fitness and Ranieri keeps them motivated, then we might still be in a good shot of uh, achieving uh, salvation.
2: Yeah, you would hope so. I don't want Sam to get relegated. uh,
0: You're getting your excuses in early, Vito.
4: Oh, look. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I think it's more a case, you know, some of the other sides aren't doing, weren't doing too well themselves um, before the pandemic came out. So um, um, with us, we were probably a bit inconsistent. I think Ranieri did improve things, you know, after replacing Di Francesco. But you know, it's a matter of just taking one game at a time and uh, going through the motions. But yeah, I'm hoping that you know. We'll manage to get out get out of this situation, okay.
0: The um the five substitute rule, um, sort of makes me makes me wonder how that will affect some teams, because people are kind of. I read an article when people were saying about it being um, it will impact more on the sides that haven't got deep squads, but when you look at uh, say yesterday's Coppa Italia semi and. It felt towards the end as though Conte was making substitutions because he had five there and almost felt the need to use them and made sort of unnecessary changes like bringing uh, De Vrij off for uh, Ranocchia for maybe about two minutes. <laughs> and I wonder whether the clubs that actually can't make the, uh, the substitutions or haven't got the sort of depth of squad to make so many substitutions were actually, you know, in the latter stages, although they might be blowing a little, um, that consistency of the players on the pitch might help them because... Um, any of us that have played, um, particularly I always find this with five side games, when you're doing that regular substituting and taking too many people off, it just ruins your flow. So interest.
2: You see it in as well, right? When um a preseason game could be going quite well and then after fifty five minutes they change the whole team and then the game is just terrible after that. So yeah, I do think it's gonna interrupt the flow. Um but like, players aren't going to be able to play every game. It's impossible to play a game every three days for a month and a half. But, I mean, they'll just be flattened. Even in World Cups and international competitions, you have a bit more of a rest period between, say, the group stages and the, the knockout rounds. But that's not going to be the case here. It's basically just three yeah. days, three days, three days.
0: But we've had have had they about four rounds of Bundesliga. So before the Bundesliga, it's... Um... Uh, experts were predicting the amount of uh, soft tissue injuries that they'd have from playing these games with a, a limited pre-season and the frequency of the matches. And um, I think it was last week they came out and said that they've actually seen two thirds less injuries than they expected to, even with the increased substitutions. So I think if, you, if you're considering that, then hopefully people that don't want to sort of ruin the flow of their team or, the, you know, the, the setup. Um, They might take that into consideration that maybe these these aren't as necessary. All five substitutions aren't as necessary as what we were led to kind of believe.
2: Yeah. um, Speaking to people at Parma this week, they've already got three muscular injuries, which they are quite angry about it because there's nothing they can do either, right? It's natural having not done anything for so many months to then have the muscle injuries rack up like that. But yeah, it's going to be strange. We're all kind of learning. Um, the players are learning, the the staff are learning, and we're very much learning with them. But we're, I think, the general consensus is, it's good to have Italian football back. Um, one person who may not agree is is Mario Balotelli. Guys, he's he's in a bit of bother at Brescia, and he seems to be getting a little bit of criticism. Uh, Brescia very much wants to to rid themselves of him. He came back to his hometown club last summer, obviously, on a contract that was an initial one-year deal with two additional years should they not be relegated. Obviously, they're going to get relegated, so those two years won't be activated. But, but Massimo Cellino, the president, is trying to cut his ties with Super Mario already. And I know that Balotelli always has people defend his cause but I can't help but feel sorry for him Kev and I know you tend to have sympathy towards Balotelli as well are you feeling sympathetic towards him in this situation
0: yeah no I am absolutely Balotelli's talent is undoubted some of the other things he does on and off the pitch are uh, you know questionable at times and uh, but I don't think we can really say that he's performed particularly badly for for breast year this year he he does his usual thing uh where he probably takes too many shots from uh <laughs> un- unreasonable angles but you know he's he's gone there in with the best intentions he's clearly not agreed to a, a long term deal on a lot of money and, and the release clause if they were to you know get relegated, which was always likely um I would have been reading things uh, from former Former teammates of his uh, and current teammates, uh, Bjarnason, um, you know, were saying that there's no, you know, because they're always asked the question, is there an issue with Balotelli? You know, is there an issue with his training? You know, how much effort he puts in? And, and generally people say that there isn't, you know, that he's maybe a little misunderstood, you know, a, a bit of a practical joker, which rubs people, people up the wrong way. Um, so, so yeah, it's sad because I think this is the, probably the end of his career that he wanted after it failing really to hit the heights that that lots of us thought it would give him the talent that he's got
2: look at that pressure squad other than Balotelli and Sandro Tonelli it's a dreadful squad and you can almost understand why he's taken his his usual ridiculous shots because he's getting the ball in the final third looking around and he thinks what am I going to pass it to Torre Grossa a better a better chance of scoring from 40 yards than doing that and I do feel bad for him and Particularly, right, he's played 19 games in Serie A this season. He scored five goals. That's not a terrible return for a team who are rock bottom of the league with little to no service as well. And then you consider the fact that on the pitch, he's been racially abused twice. Um, one of those times he tried to leave the pitch and his own teammates were trying to tell him not to. And then he was the the victim of a, a racist joke By his own president, Massimo Cellino, who never apologized for it when he was questioned about it. He was like, oh, it was just a joke. He never actually said sorry. And the environment he's gone back to hasn't been the environment where any player would want to walk into, particularly someone like like Mario, right? Um, And I just think he was always fighting a losing battle going back there. And I do feel dreadfully sorry for him because... Like you say, this is probably um, the last dance for him at the, at the level that he wants, right? Because he did quite well in France with both both Nice and Marseille. He probably shouldn't have left Nice um, when he did because he seemed to be enjoying it there. And obviously the the geo the geography of Nice as well is very, very close to Italy, both in terms of culture and location. Um And now he's back in Italy and it's just not going well. Vito, what's next for Balotelli?
4: Well, there has been speculation that he could go to the MLS. Or there's even been speculation that he could even end up in the Brazilian League because Flamengo were linked with him uh, just before he signed for Brescia. And uh, he could move there as well. But, uh, yeah, it looks like his career, at least in Serie A, looks finished, and uh, even if he stayed in Europe, which I doubt very much, I think uh, the only place he could really consider going is if another Ligue 1 club gave him another chance because he probably did play his best football at Nice. There have been patches at Manchester City and AC Milan, but um, in the two and a half years he was there, probably the two under Lucien Favre, who's now at Borussia Dortmund, were probably. Bolotelli's best years at club level.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. Um, just back on the pressure. I mean, it's easy to forget the pressure of change coach every weekend as well, right? The use any of this season. Diego Love I forgot he was in charge, to be honest. I thought Corini was still there, but no. Uh, then I saw Lopez running his mouth about Balotelli and obviously Fabio Grosso had that stint in December and November as well which ended with after
0: Atalanta beat them 3-0 the Derby. Um, but yeah i think um i think if he can be blamed for anything it's for making that you know making another wrong decision to to go back to Italy and go to Brescia based probably on the the heartstrings pulling at the move a bit like when he went back to to, to milan after obviously having that first stint which was far more successful um the move to marseille was probably because he, he thought he he still had the ability to do it at a bigger in inverted um in brackets uh club you know and with an eye of getting back into the italy squad its all these decisions are probably just ill-advised and and based purely on heart rather than staying where he was playing his best football at nice
2: most of the questions are about the moves he's made then right because everyone always talks about oh well you know what mario does off the pitch what does he actually do it, he jokes right he it's not like he's going out um doing what Nangaland does every weekend right he he tends to just joke around like you say he's a bit of a practical joker which rubs people up the wrong way um if the big questions are about his moves, then you've got to point fingers at Mino Raiola, his agent, because he should be advising him to to stay where it suits his playing career. But obviously, he's got his own other interests in in moving Mario around every few years to to get a a payoff of his own. And I think it's a shame because he's obviously not been managed very well. Um, and we we will always look back at. Balotelli's career as being a big what if which itself isn't really his fault he was bigged up massively as a teenager um, for what he was doing with Inter and it's, it's easy to forget he has still achieved quite a lot in his playing career he peaked quite early whereas a lot of people expected to peak at the he is now what 29 Balotelli probably hit his peak between 19 and 22 and it's just a shame that he's not been able to stay at that high level Um, And his homecoming didn't exactly go to plan. Who knows? Maybe he'll go to Atalanta Gasparini. He'll get the best out of him. And Brescia will be feeling sick to their stomach. Who knows? Who knows? Right, guys. um, Unless you have anything else to add, we are finished.
0: Nothing. No, we're good.
2: Right. Congratulations. We survived the first pod of post-COVID. So... That's it. Guys, as ever, head over to the Forza Italian Football website for all of your match coverage, Serie A news, Serie A features, everything. We did the My Favourite Game series, which was a lot of fun. We have articles and podcasts about each individual writer's favourite game from Italian football history. Um, some of them with slightly looser ties to Italian football than others. I'm looking at you, Alistair McKenzie, choosing a Leeds United game. Uh, but... Alistair actually has been compiling a list of the most exciting young players in Italy as well. The FIF Next Generation Series. We have done nine of the ten already. They are live on the website. You can go and read them. The latest is an Atalanta player, so you know he's going to go on to achieve big things. We've got one more. Um, I think it's a Sampdoria player actually, Vito. I don't know if that one's been published yet. If not, it's coming on Tuesday and then on Friday morning there will be a list of the 10 players that Alistair has chosen. Uh, go over and read that. It's a great series. Really, really good series. Musa Juara, particularly, the, the Bologna youngster, his story is incredible. So I would urge everyone to go over and read that particular article. We've got loads up on the website. Soon to come, a new series. Marco Jackson looks at teams who have been promoted as champions of Serie B. And then gone on to mixed fortunes and Vito you've already got a piece published on Juventus's history in 10 moments coming this week we'll have Milan and Inter's going live as well so we've got a lot of stuff happening Kev what have you been up to
0: uh I've been doing the Italians abroad series um I believe one's scheduled to go out today on the uh the Swiss Super League for which uh Italy shares a border um and that will finish with uh, Portugal and uh, the era VC, but it's uh, kind of charted the history of Italian players in other uh, major European leagues
2: that is going up in three hours time so by the time this podcast is released which is probably going to be late on Sunday night or maybe Monday morning um, that will be live so go and read it and everything else it's been quite an enjoyable series that actually the Italians abroad thing I'm kind of disappointed that it's finished but obviously It only ever had uh, a certain amount of of um, longevity in it because you do run out of leagues. What happened with What happened with Argentina?
0: Well, with all this, the the research for them wasn't necessarily that difficult because the major European leagues do publish lists of of foreign players. Um, When you get into uh, France as well as Switzerland. you, you run into the issue that you find with Argentina, with the dual citizenship, given the, uh, the sort of immig- immigration over to Argentina uh, and all these players that have come back as Uriundi uh, and, and played for multiple national sides back in the sort of 50s, 60s. Um, and then also with the, the poor record keeping in South America, really, it's, it's it's hard to do anything about probably knowing that you'd published the piece and then have lots of comments telling you you've missed somebody or somebody actually wasn't uh, Italian. So I um, just chose to, to steer clear of Argentina. Mm,
2: fair enough. Fair enough. An idea has just come to my head. So we'll stop recording and then I'll tell you that idea and see what you think. All right. Um, yeah, you know what to do, guys. We'll be back again very, very soon. It's been fun. Bye. Challenger. Bye-bye. Bye.